Antichrist hostile world. And when we are out there at work, sometimes unfortunately in our families, wherever we are, we are copping damage from this hostile world. In fact, I think the world's becoming anti-human. It's getting so difficult to live in. You go to work and your boss takes a piece out of you for something. It has an impact on you and it's like you lose a little bit of flesh, and you've got a gaping wound. And then you might come home and something happens between the husband and wife and you cop another wound. And then you might go out to play squash on the Tuesday night and something happens on the court and there's a some sort of a confrontation and you cop another wound. And then you might come home and you fall into some sin and sin is going to do it to you. And sin, every time you sin, it takes gaping great big pieces of flesh outside of you. And it seems to me almost as we live in this world that we're being eaten alive. Do you hear what I'm saying? People are weary. I go to the airport and I sit sometimes because Andrew and I, we don't like to be late for planes, do we, Andrew? Andrew makes, how many hours early do you make us go? Three hours early for a domestic flight. (laughs) Six if it's an international. (laughs) So I get a lot of time to sleep, especially at sleep. I get a lot of time to sit, especially when I'm working with Andrew. And I watch people's faces. And, you know, I'm talking spiritually now. They're bent over and they're wounded and you can see it on their faces. They're sleep deprived and I'm not talking physical sleep. They've got no rest and there's a hunger and there's a longing inside of them. And so they go and they try to find rest and they'll buy another investment home. Oh, this is a beautiful home. At last I'll I'll find satisfaction. It's not there. So they'll buy another one and another one. Or they'll they'll, they'll try as as hard as they can to climb the corporate level ladder. Well, if I get higher and higher, I'll, I'll get rest and I'll get satisfaction and I'll be complete. Or they go and they get married. Big mistake, boys, girls, men, women. They go, they get married, and they they look for their wife. Now, Lizzie, I don't do this to you, baby. They look to their wife to complete them, to give them rest, and it doesn't work. Well, what's wrong with this woman? Not only can she not cook, she's not giving me the peace that I need. And that secretary at work, well, I'll tell you what, she brings me nice sandwiches, and she seems to love me and to care for me. And they trade their wife... For the secretary. Well, the secretary goes for a few years and it's pretty good and complete. Oh, I, I knew that she was the woman for me. Two or three months sometimes down the track and it all starts to turn pear shape. Don't, you, you, you could have the most wonderful spouse in the world, Liska. Yes, you could. <laughs> they can't complete you. They can't give you rest. They can't take you to where you need to go to find it. Do do you get what I'm saying? And as the world increases in sin, 
as the world increases in darkness, there's less rest around to be got. And people out there are in agony and sleep deprivation. And they can't find it and they're getting desperate. And yet Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Now, when I open my Bible, whether it's with my wife or it's on my own, I get into the presence of Jesus and I get rest. One of the reasons we want to make prayer such an important part of this church's experience is because when I get down on my knees and I talk to the Lord, what do you think I get? Rest. But you know, I've got to get up and I've got to go to work. And I have a busy life. On Monday morning, I have meetings with Andrew and Claire that sometimes go deep into the afternoon as we talk about plans and things for New Hope. Monday night, I'm out visiting. In fact, I've got a brand new Bible study on Monday night. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I'm out. We, we are, by the way. I don't know whether you realize this. If you've got your name on the list, Liz and I are coming to you real soon. We're trying to visit as fast as we can all the members of this church. Uh, Tuesday. I'm out on the visitation trail. If I've got a sermon, I, if I'm being very good, I'm starting to think and work on the sermon. Wednesday, I'm out shooting with Andrew, a blog, and our television show. Thursday, uh, out visiting, Bible study. My life is very busy. <laughs> You're going to come after me, Harut, if I don't do my work, aren't you? <laughs> if the president of the conference is watching this sermon, my life is very busy. But I'm in good company with most of you. Amen? Amen? We only get a little bit of time to spend with the Lord in Bible study and prayer, and that's if we're faithful. And most Seventh-day Adventists, most Christians are going through the whole week with very little Bible study, very little prayer, and by the time they get to the Sabbath, they're sleep-deprived. Do you hear me? And it's a serious thing to be sleep-deprived. As a Christian, you start not to think properly. You can't... Act properly. And Satan wants you sleep deprived. And everything Satan's doing in the world with your career as he chokes you up with work, with sport and pleasure and holidays and all those things that we love which can be positive but taken to excess are negative. He's trying to choke us up so there's no time with Jesus because he's trying to push us away, far away from the Lord so we don't get rest, so we're sleep deprived because he knows if we're spiritually sleep deprived, he can take us out. Now guess what the Sabbath is all about? I just read your whole heap of texts. Rest. But it's a big rest. It starts Friday with sunset, goes to Sabbath, Saturday evening sunset. It's all about what? Rest. It's about, you know why you should be here at Sabbath school, praise the Lord, at 10 o'clock? Did, did you hear me? What time? 10 o'clock, you know why you should be here? Because you're going to get rest. Because when you're in Sabbath school, when you're in church, when we're out there at that fellowship lunch, hurry up, Lloyd, oh, my stomach's already starting to growl. <laughs> when we're out there in that fellowship lunch, when we get on the bus and go with each other to Milk Beach to watch Akil get baptised, hallelujah, amen. Even as we walk down the beach on the edge of the Sabbath, Claire about to have our fish and chips, where are you? <laughs> I'm watching you, girl. <laughs> We are in rest 
because it's the Sabbath. It's a holy day. It's a day set aside by God for rest. And he comes into you when you when you are observing, keeping, celebrating the Sabbath, when you're singing, when you're praying, even when you're giving in the offering, when you're listening to the preacher, when you're fellowshipping at the lunch, God is there. The Holy Spirit is in the house. He's coming inside of you and he is rebuilding you. He's patching you up. He's recreating you. He's getting you strong again so you can go out there again to face the world rested. Amen. That's what the Sabbath is about. And Satan hates it. He hates it. And he hates it because he knows that if you get it and you go to Jesus and you're seeking him and the Holy Spirit in your life, that on the Sabbath Jesus is gonna, Jesus is gonna bless you so much that Satan doesn't have a chance. had this girl I liked for a long, long time. I was at college, not following the Lord, but praying that he'd give her to me. I don't know whether I needed to lose more weight or what it was, but I came so close. And at the time, she was the love of my life. So this other guy comes along, was a lot thinner than me. <laughs> he was a lot taller than me. I'm a bloke, so I don't know, but I think he might have even been a lot better looking than me. You know, I saw what was happening, and I tried to get in between them. <sighs> Big bloke, and I had troubles getting in between them, you know. Try as I might. And I lost her, maybe because I never had her. But I lost her, but I did try as hard as I could to get in between this girl and this boy and this new relationship. So I'd ask her out on Saturday night, on Sunday morning, you know, for the next Saturday night. <laughs> um, I'd see him in line at lunch and I'd see her sitting in the cafeteria, so I'd cut right down to the front, and they'd be, what are you doing, Grollam, and cutting in? I would please. And I'd take my, and I'd go and sit with her. Because I'm trying to, to put myself forward and, and, and him back. It never did work, and Satan's trying to do the same thing to us. He's trying to cut in between you and Jesus. You get what I'm saying? The Sabbath is a bigger threat to him than just about any other doctrine other than the cross in the entire Bible. It is a threat. Because it's about you and Jesus spending time together. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap this up now about talking about the mark of the beast. This is only a few minutes. And I'm going to do a whole sermon on the mark of the beast soon. And we'll unwrap this properly. But I think you'll get what I'm trying to say here. First thing I want to say is this. So, so you get the Sabbath rest thing. Do you get that? Now watch this. Ephesians 1.13. Someone talked about the Sabbath being the sealing. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says will seal you. And this is important, and I'll come back to it as we conclude in a few minutes. Ephesians 1.13, I want you to get this. This is the secret to the power of Christ, of God, of the Spirit, and new hope. In him, Jesus, God, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were what? You were sealed with who? The Holy Spirit of promise. So how are you sealed? At the end of time, 
As we go into this last great battle, how are you sealed? By the Sabbath? By what? What's the Bible say? By what? The Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. And I'll talk to you from my heart now. And this is the most, most important. If you want a genuine, real relationship with Jesus Christ, do one thing, please. I plead with you. Get on your knees in the morning as you get up. You don't have to get on your knees. I do it lying in bed next to Liska as she snores. <laughs> oh, is it me snoring? Sorry. <laughs> she usually wakes up before me, so that is not true. I apologise. As I wake up and you're coming from unconsciousness into reality, I say, God, please do this or your version of it. God, come into my heart. I'm your man today, and this is what I say. Baptise me with the Holy Spirit, please, in Jesus of Nazareth's name, amen. And when I do that, I get baptised by the Holy Spirit. God possesses me, and I am being sealed. Do you understand that? Now, I've got into a little habit. As I go through the day, any time the Lord comes to me and reminds me of it, I'll say, Lord, I'm here again. So I could be listening to Andrew talk or Claire in one of our meetings in the middle of it, and the Lord comes upon me and he'll do it for you too. Oh, Lord, here I am again. I'm just in my mind. Baptize me, I pray, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in, in, in the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I pray. And I could pray that prayer four, five, ten times. You know what I noticed happening after a few days, after a week, after a few weeks, and certainly after a few months? I noticed my life was changing and I didn't understand why until I thought about the fact I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come into me. And when I ask the Holy Spirit to come into me, God's coming inside of me and he's changing me and he's changing me. Often I don't even realize it. And I go to do things that I once would do and the Holy Spirit, I've already asked him in, he's possessing me, he says, oh Lloyd, Lloyd, whoa, whoa, just a minute. And I'm listening to him. I'm a long way from perfect. Oh, the Lord knows and so does Lisa. I've got a long, long way to go. But I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've been baptised for no other reason than I what? I what? Asked him. Do you want to ask him? Huh? Do you want to ask him? You can do it. You can start right now. As I'm preaching, Holy Spirit, come inside of me in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You will be baptised. We're never going to have a service where you'll come down the front and the pastor will hit you on the head and you'll fall over and hit the black curtain. We haven't got a first aid box big enough for all of that because it's not how it works. You are going to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now watch this and I close. Revelation 13 verse 7. And the beast... This is end time, future, maybe starting to happen now. The beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and every people and language and nation for almost 2,000 years. Two powerful superpower, I call them superpower, supernatural forces have been at work. On one side is God's people. Revelation 12, 17 describes them as people who have the faith of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. By the way, the fourth commandment is remember the 
So God's people right down through the ages, the Bible says it very clear, Revelation 12, 17, a number of other places, have the faith of Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe he died for them, believe they're going to the kingdom only through him and his grace and his blood. That's the faith of Jesus. And they keep the Ten Commandments as a result of having the faith of Jesus. Amen. It's the faith of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that saved them. These are the people of God. And there have been some mighty heroes through those 2,000 years of the church of God. I think of men, you know, for all these weaknesses, Luther was a mighty man, amen. I think of Wesley, I think of Tyndall who gave us the scripture, was burned at the stake alive so that we could read the Bible in English. It's one of the reasons I love the dear old versions. These were mighty men, mighty men strode through history, advancing and fighting and defending the cause of God and his church. But there has been another power which has been an amalgamation of the holy and the pagan that has been in existence almost from the time of Christ. It is a power that says that if you are not good, you will go to an eternal hellfire. It is a power that says you must confess your sins through the priest or the pastor. And it's a power that says the Sabbath day of rest no longer applies and have taken the solemnity and the holiness of the Sabbath, God's day of rest, and they've transferred it through their own laws to Sunday. Now, the problem with that, the real problem with that is it is God who said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You've seen at least 10 or more texts today where God says, on the Sabbath, I will come to you and give you what? Rest. Now, rest is available six days, seven days a week. I know that. But it is God who said the Sabbath is specifically for you to come together with me and I will bless you. I will bless you with rest. This is Satan getting into the Christian church, trying to drive a wedge between God and his people. And it's worked. Because you go to most of the Protestant churches today who worship on Sunday it's not a criticism, it's just a reality. And you'll worship at church for an hour or two, or three or four if you've got a long-winded preacher. And then you'll go shopping, you'll play sport, you'll go home, you watch TV. And so your rest is limited to just an hour or two when Jesus says, come on the Sabbath for the entire time. And it has worked. Now watch this, Revelation 13, 15 to 17. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna unpack this too far. He was permitted. This is the beast. This is the false church to give life to the statue so they could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. At the end of time, the issue is over what? According to that text. Worship. Central to the Christian worship, central, is the Sabbath. Remember, it's a time of healing and recreation. Now, right now, Satan is trying to seduce you away from the Sabbath. But there is coming a time in the future where seduction will be finished because he'll know that no matter what he does, he cannot seduce you. And Satan, true to form, will try to force you to give it up. 
And they'll even try to force you by implementing through the secular state and this religious power a death penalty. And for those of you who think this is impossible, this whole scenario is absurd, I suggest you go to Europe like I did and that you go on a Reformation history tour and you go up into the Waldensi Mountains and you look where thousands of people shed their blood and died rather than give up Jesus. Go down onto the plains of France and you see where the Huguenots one Sunday morning were massacred in the thousands rather than give up Jesus Christ because history is a testament to what I am saying. And what happened in the past, God in the Bible says, will happen in the future. In verse 16, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. In the right hand, in other words, you're going to do what the beast tells you to do. In the forehead, you're going to think. Some people only do. Other people will think and be won by the heart. Doesn't matter. And so intense will this be that not only will there be a death decree, it's incredible, but the Bible says you'll not be able to buy or sell. And I want to say this. It is not the Sabbath that will seal you or save you in this time. It's what? It's the Holy Spirit. It's being possessed and having a baptism by him through the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And if you have the Holy Spirit and if you have this experience, make no mistake, the Sabbath will be a part of your walk. It's impossible for it not to be. Because it's one of God's laws, it's one of his commandments, but it's also the time that Jesus calls you without the worries and the concerns of the world to spend time with him. And if you have been born again and baptised by the Holy Spirit, you will be sealed. But if you have not, if you have not been born again, then you will have the mark of the beast. And it's a sad thing, but there are many Sabbath keepers who will have the mark of the beast because they weren't born again. So I finish with this and I want to make a call, Revelation 14 verse 11. This is the fate of those powers that would set themselves up against God. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no what? Rest. The punishment is that they have no rest. Day or night. Now there is no eternal hellfire. When the Bible says here they have no rest, it means that they're going to spend eternity without who? God. They're going to be spend eternity without Jesus. In fact, the Bible says they'll be dead. And that's a tragedy and you don't want to go there. The Sabbath is a small window into heaven. It heals. It restores and it recreates. On the first, and I close on the first day, and I share this. People say, well, don't share parts of your life, Lloyd. I share this, a man who is whole, who's been healed, who has a beautiful wife and a lover and a wonderful family. But I remember on the first day of the separation of my wife, my first wife, which led to a divorce, the first Sabbath. 
Um, I'd been led there by much of my own behaviour. doesn't matter. I was breaking up inside. I was hurt. Oh, the Lord's brought me a long way. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you this story for a reason. On that first Sabbath, my mum and my dad were with me. And I had this overwhelming instinct to go home to Nara. I hadn't been there for 20 years. What do you think was happening? At the time of my deepest crisis, I was getting called back to Nara because it was a place where I remembered what? Rest. The worship that my mum and dad led me in as a small child morning and night. Those beautiful, beautiful Sabbaths at Nara Church, little tiny church with just a handful of people. But I was remembering them and I was remembering the healing and, and, and the recreation that God was bringing to me back then as even a small boy. Do you get it? And so in the crisis, I said to my mum and dad, you're going to have to take me home. And they took me home. And we sat where we used to have lunch on the banks of the Shellhaven River there. And you know, the tears were pouring down my face and my heart was breaking but as my heart broke and I went through the great crisis of my life, I was with the Lord of the Sabbath. Do you get it? Amen. And right there and then, he began to recreate me. And it's been a long journey, but he's brought me to where I am now, and he's brought me there, instrumental in it, has been the Sabbath. And I wish the Sabbath for you. 